0: Welcome to A Better Way Podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another, because together we can find a better way. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of A Better Way Podcast. Today, Danielle and I are joined by Deanna Mason. She is a rest consultant who helps mom entrepreneurs and leaders break through burnout and create more sustainable systems to incorporate rest and reconnection into their daily lives. And I'm so excited to have her here. Um, welcome, Deanna. Deanna.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I have never described myself with those words. So send me that copy. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I can use that. I have never put it together that way. Amazing. I will. So. I
0: love crafting copies. So I'll drop that to you after this. But I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I actually first heard Deanna speak on the Boss Mom podcast, which is another amazing resource for busy go getter moms. Um, But as she was having a conversation with the podcast host, her words just spoke to me. I think I was on like the elliptical and I think I started crying being like, oh my gosh, there's someone out there that can help, mm-hmm. um, moms get through tough seasons, but also just everyday life and do so in a way that's more graceful for them and allows them to bring more joy into their life and rest. And so I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, I know I've talked you up a lot to Danielle, but I want to make sure that our audience has a chance to just kind of understand who you are and a little bit about your story before we jump into where you are today. So is it okay if I kind of let you give our listeners a little bit of background?
1: Sure. I'd love to. Um, My burnout story is usually what I start with because that is the catalyst of my work. And um, I've been a serial entrepreneur for most of my career. So my entrepreneurship journey started when I had Um, I want to say when I had my second child, which is my daughter, Kendall, who's 13 now. But I think it began earlier than that because I picked up a marketing contract while I was working as a full-time marketing manager somewhere. So I was working nine to five. And in order to pay for daycare, I picked up a freelance customer. So that's kind of where it started, but I didn't see it like that because I was, I'm just trying to pay for daycare. And when I had my daughter, I quickly realized, and they are only two years apart, that, that nine to five reporting to work lifestyle, I wasn't created for it. I just don't have the innate ability to manage (laughs) two kids and go to work nine to five. I just haven't been built that way. And so I bartered, no, I shouldn't say bartered because I bartered with the daycare. That's how I got into the door. When I went to go check out the daycare and I was like, okay, I think this will work for my kid. I bartered with them and said, Hey, do you need marketing support? Because they were a new daycare. And they were like, yes. And I was like, how about I do your marketing and you take my kid? And they were like, done. Ooh. And I was like, that was easy. That's All amazing. Right. I got childcare. So when I was thinking about coming home, I was like, I wonder if this will work again. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went to my employer and I didn't barter with them, but I was like, hey, would you be interested in me doing this on a contract level instead of as an employee? Because you know, at that point you're not paying for my health care. Right. You know. And they were like, sure. And I was like, are you kidding me? I could have been doing this years ago. <laughs> I could have been doing this a long time ago. And so I had two clients and I picked up a couple of smaller other ones and I replaced my full-time income within like the first two, three months of deciding to come home. And I That's was like, amazing. this is, this is the life. This is what I should have been doing a long time ago. But the catalyst was I, I couldn't be present for my kids in the way that I desired to be present with them. So I had to change how I worked. So once I did that, it was beautiful. and. Uh, my entrepreneurship juices just kept, kept going. And I ended up starting a nonprofit organization that supported other moms. And it was called Examples Family Resources. And we just did workshops and programs to help moms pass their faith down to their children. It was a faith-based organization. And through that work, we started zeroing in on moms with teen girls. I can't even think of the evolution, but some kind of way we kind of niche to that audience. And we decided to, to publish a print magazine for teen girls. Okay. Hmm. So this is where the story starts going downhill. So we (laughs) published um, this beautiful magazine and it was our goal as an organization to have that magazine picked up by retailers All across the U.S., so we wanted to be on the shelves. With back then, it was Teen Vogue, and I can't even think of the other, you know, teen magazines that were out there. But we wanted to sit on the shelf next to those magazines because our messaging was so completely opposite of what the messaging was Mm. for those other magazines. Because we wanted girls to be confident in their body image. We wanted to pull out leadership in them. Mm -hmm. You know, we wanted to focus on things that, culturally speaking, they were not being. Um, celebrated for. Right. Absolutely. And so we did it. We got picked up by two major distributors and we all of a sudden were on the shelves of Barnes and Noble and Hastings books and anybody that was carrying magazines in the U S and parts of Canada, we were on the shelves. And as amazing as that sound, that was an exhausting undertaking. It was an exhausting undertaking. So we had to hire staff to keep that going. We had a bi-monthly magazine and I hired, you know, everybody that I needed to make that um, machine work with the staff and the interns that we put together to create this team. The magazine was running like clockwork. I was like, we did it. We got it going, but there was absolutely no money left in the budget to pay for the other parts of the organization that needed to be supported. So, I became everything else because we were still doing events. We were still doing conferences. We were still going in schools and teaching Mm -hmm. workshops. We were still running mom's groups. All those things were still happening alongside this magazine, right? Mm -hmm. And so I became the staff for all those other things. In some insane way, I felt like it was also a good idea to start homeschooling my oldest. All right. (laughs) So I am working 40 plus hours a week, at least, and I'm homeschooling my oldest. And then I have this, I have the baby. She, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like three years old at the time. And I did this for about three years. And at the end of the third year, I had absolutely and utterly burned out. I could not keep it going. I remember sitting at the table. So I, that, that, third year, I had put my children in school. So my, my daughter had became mm-hmm. of age to go to school. She went to school for kindergarten and I enrolled my son into third grade. And the thought was, if I can put them in school, I can, ca- I can catch my breath. I can, you know, figure out, you know, this time in energy, um, deficit that I, I felt like I was in, I can figure this out. And then I'm going to bring them back home because me and my husband really wanted to homeschool them mm-hmm. through their elementary years. And, um, I just need one year off. <laughs> I just need one year mm-hmm. off. And instead of slowing down and finding more white space, I filled that space up with even yes. more work.
0: I can totally relate. There's this always this, um, you always think if I can just catch up when I get mm-hmm. this done, it'll all be better. I'm totally tracking with you.
1: Mm-hmm. And many moms like me or many women like me who are entrepreneurs and you know visionaries and leaders, that's what we do. We find other opportunities to step into leadership. We find other things to put our hands to because that's just how we're made, right? And so the time that I gain by not homeschooling, I just filled with other commitments. And so I'm sitting at the kitchen table, the school year is over, and I have my laptop up and I'm downloading the registration forms for the next school year. And as I'm sitting there looking at my kids, they're eating breakfast, and I was like, how in the world did I get here? This is not aligned with the vision me and Eddie, my husband, have for the kids. We were very serious when we decided we were going to take the homeschool route. There are really specific things that we wanted to accomplish with the kids while they were a certain age. And homeschooling was the way we decided we were going to do it. And here I am re-upping for another year. I just felt like at that moment I was completely. Um, unaligned with my heart mm-hmm, and with mm-hmm. the needs of my family. And so I flipped the, I put the laptop down. I looked at the kids. I said, Hey, you guys, I think you're going to come back home next year. There's they're young. They don't care. You know, they're like, okay. you, know? <laughs> they didn't really care. you know? And um, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I made the decision to prioritize them in that moment in the goals that we have for our family. And I was like, I don't know what this means, but what it ended up meaning six months later, I closed the doors of the organization completely. Mm. I just backed out of the um, the commitments and all the circulation um, contracts and things that we had. My board of directors helped me back out of that. And about four to six months later, we, I was no longer um, running an organization. And I took about a three-year entrepreneurship hiatus. Now. When I closed the doors, I was not thinking I was going back. I literally was like, I'm done. I am a homeschool mom. That's who I am. If you ask me what I do, I homeschool these kids. That's, you know, and I wasn't planning on going back into entrepreneurship. I really was done. I was that exhausted, that tired. I didn't want to have anything else to do with that lifestyle. And I took about a three year break from it all. And during those three years, I was learning how to care for myself. Now, I didn't know that's what I was doing. Okay, I was doing it without, you know, an Instagram and self, you know, Mm self-care hashtags. I didn't know anything (laughs) about that, you know, but that's exactly what I was doing. I started prioritizing my health. I lost about 30 pounds. I started spending more intentional time with my husband, with my kids. I started reconnecting with God in deeper ways because that all kind of went out the window. I was Mm. not spending consistent time um, nurturing my faith. And all this was happening for three years and I just became this new refreshed person. And it was right about the end of 2017. I felt like God was like, okay, it's time to step back into your leadership and entrepreneurship. And I was terrified. I was like, no, I'm not going back to that. (laughs) that And I just really felt like it was the season to pick it back up. And I was like, well, this is my prayer. And this is me trying to have this conversation with God. If this is you, I need you to help me do this without sacrificing all this, uh, these new tools and these new rhythms, everything that I've done these past three years to create a more healthier version of who I am. I don't wanna sacrifice that. I don't wanna sacrifice my family relationships. I don't wanna go back to that. I said, so help me not do that. And if you are a caller of women into leadership while they got babies in the house, if this is what you're in the business of doing, please help me help other moms do the same thing, you know, cause I'm not the only mom that that has these um, desires to be more than a mother. Right. Absolutely. And I'm like, help me help moms like me do it. And that's how refresh moms began and refresh moms started with the idea of, um, helping moms like me, moms that were entrepreneurs or moms that were homeschooling, moms that were ministry leaders, moms that were doing more than mommy, do it without burnout. Mm -hmm. And here I am three years later. So that's, that's my story.
0: I love it. I love that you mentioned too, like how we're built because sometimes people around me don't understand my drive to do everything. And I think of it as control, but you actually talked about the word leader. And I feel like that's really relevant to me. Like I like to lead in all the different areas of life and yes, some of it is major control issues and I'm Mm -hmm. working on releasing that. But the fact that you said like that is innately how we're built. I've always thought that even in Um, agency and corporate roles. Like I was always the go-getter that just couldn't shut. Like I was like, okay, if we have an idea, we're going to take it over the finish line and then run a marathon after it. Like, you know Um, and so it is, it's, it's the way we're wired and it's really hard to change that. And and I like how you are helping moms create a life that supports that, that allows them to do both because sometimes you can feel like you're in the wrong for wanting more, like you said. Um, and it's not anything wrong with you. That's just the way that you are. That's who you are as a person.
1: So yeah, there's that. nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong. Our culture will tell us is wrong, though. Um, at least American culture. I can't speak for other cultures, but I read a quote yesterday. I don't know who said it, and I don't remember where I read it. But women in America are expected to work as if they have no children. And to parent as if they don't work. Mm -hmm. We're expected to do that at the same time. My daughter to this day, and I work maybe four hours a day, five hours on a long day. My husband works, you know, full time. She will still tell me, you work too much. And I'm like, you never tell your father that ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and so this is me trying to nurture her little heart and normalize the fact that Mommy can work and be a good parent, just like Daddy can work and be a good parent.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know But our American, socially speaking or culturally speaking, that is not what's represented. And because of that, many women don't have the tools to do this like moms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a friend. Her name is Titi um Tanubu Ali. I always get her last names mixed up. It's either Titi Lyle, Ali, Tanubu. <laughs> or <TTYO to laughs> But she owns this company um, called Own Your Expertise. And she also works for, oh, I'm going to forget the company. She has a uh, full-time job as a researcher here in a um, company here in Atlanta. And she was interviewing someone for a position. And the, they were interviewing via Zoom. And it was a woman. And the woman throughout the video was like shooing somebody like trying to get a child out of the screenshot. And Titi Lyle told her, oh no, we don't do that here. Bring the child in. The child wants to come in, let the child come in. Because what we're not going to act like is we are not moms who work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just the normalization of this is part of my reality. If you want me to show up and be great, I gotta, I gotta show up as a mother who's great at work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We gotta get our companies and places of employment, and you know wherever we're showing up to um, advance our careers and to um, increase our earning potential. We've got to get away from. I've just come back from maternity leave, and I need to pump milk, and you send me to the supply closet. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) We've got to eliminate as many barriers (laughs) as possible to women showing up fully as all that they are, which Mm -hmm. includes their careers. And we are not there yet culturally, but I feel like, you know, we're chipping away at it. But that's. That's part of what I like to do. I like to address the fact that because we are, we have so many hats that we're wearing, and we emotionally pour out in many different ways. We've got to approach the um, the our toolkits, the toolkits that we need as moms, very intentionally in order for us to sustain it without burning out. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to so
2: it's interesting, or sorry, no. Go I was just going to give yeah. like a little bit of color. So I mentioned before we started that I work for a French software company now, and I will tell you there's hope mm. <laughs> if we could just borrow some stuff from the Europeans. <laughs> um, I I have just the most amazing, like my job understands that I'm a mom who works, which mm. I love that you, I loved that, that the way you phrased that. Yeah. Um, And I bring, if my son is being a pain in the neck, I bring him into the zoom. If, um, when I was pumping, so I went back to work, uh, at four months, four months after he was born, when I was pumping, they gave me like a conference room and they were like, this is yours. And whenever somebody was in there, I would just open the door and be like, I got a pump. And I work, of course I work with mostly men that, that part hasn't changed. And of course they were like, Oh, okay, (laughs) here you go. Mm Um, and, you know, I had to take a trip to France uh, with my boss about five months in. And I actually, I tell the story all the time. And I'm like, I pumped on the train from Paris to where we were going, um, right, sitting right next to my boss. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. This is who, I'm a mom. Like, this is who, what I'm doing. I'm not going to be embarrassed. And yes, um, I don't know. I think it's just, we get five weeks vacation. You're meant to take it. If ever I'm like, oh, my son is sick or this or that, like literally my job is like, oh, take the day off, like do whatever you need to do. No one cares. And I work for Americans, right? Like here in the US, but they've, because they're part of that corporate culture, they, they get it and they borrow that piece Mm. of it. Um, And so there's hope, I think, for moms to have a better Uh, a better experience, but there's so much wrong with the culture that we have here. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I saw a quote the other day, it was, it said, um, career focused, the word career focused is only associated with women. Because if a man isn't career focused, like it's just assumed that men are career focused. Yeah. Whereas like, so interesting. Women are either career focused or home focused. Mm-hmm. That's the <laughs> truth. Uh, but it's, I digress. No, it's that's <laughs> so interesting and I
0: agree with you. So um at my previous like my full-time position before I went into full-time entrepreneurship, I worked for a global health insurance company and in their marketing agency and we had employees that had worked over in Scotland and the UK and then came to the U S and they were like, what that, like one girl, I was seven months pregnant and she was like, Oh, you must be going on a maternity leave soon. And I was like, no, she's like, well, when will you go on maternity? I was like, the day I have the baby, like I'll call in from the Mm -hmm. hospital. And she was like, what? And someone asked her when her and her husband were having a baby. And she said, I did not come to the U S to get shit maternity leave. Those were her exact words. She said, this is ridiculous. (laughs) She has yeah. sent me back. She's now in London and she's, I talked to her once a week and um, we message back and forth online and she's living like the life and she's like, you guys just have it backwards there. Um, but one thing I want to ask you is I, something that I thought was really interesting in your story of how you became an entrepreneur the first time is you realize that if you could at least work up the courage to ask the question to, you know, exchange your expertise in marketing for childcare or, um, going contractor versus full-time employee, mm-hmm. people said yes. And I asked that question because I think sometimes we have this preconceived notion that other people have expectations of us, or it's going to be received poorly, which in some cases it very much is. I've, I've had mm-hmm. those experiences and, you know, um, corporate america and full-time employment. But I also find that sometimes I'm my own barrier. Um and so I'd love to understand from your perspective like do you feel like sometimes we're the ones holding ourselves back from being able to take a rest?
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. Um the mom guilt is real. I mean, we can we can just write a whole list of where we feel guilty mm-hmm. in regards to our parenting responsibilities. It's real, even with the women, like I uh, have this mini sabbatical event and women are registering for it. As they register months in advance, they already are feeling guilty mm-hmm. about making this commitment to be gone for three nights. I remember when I was having my sales page reviewed in this membership group that I'm a part of and, one of the, and, and on my sales page, I said, the only requirement is that you leave your kids and you leave your home. Those, you know, That's what I'm asking you to do. And she was like, well, maybe not say that. Maybe give them the option to leave their home. It was like, she wasn't, that was like too much of a weight for her to actually, for me to actually say, I want you to leave your house and leave your kids and go take this break don't, maybe don't say that so women can have an option. And I'm like, no, this is exactly what I am trying to say. Yeah. I want you to be brave enough to leave your kids and leave your house, the place that um, probably contributes to your rest needs the most. <laughs> leave mm-hmm. that environment so you can refresh yourself for three stinking nights, three nights. And so that's an example of how we can't even Um, give ourselves permission mm -hmm. to give ourselves what we need. So I do believe we're one of the biggest barriers to being an advocate for our needs. 100% yesterday I was supposed to publish a podcast episode and I ran out of steam. All right. And I was feeling some kind of way about dropping out of my rhythm with my own podcast. And I was like, ain't nobody sitting around looking at their phone. Like Refresh Moms hasn't dropped a Mm -hmm. podcast yet. Where are you at, Deanna? Nobody's looking at their phone wondering where my (laughs) podcast is. (laughs) I am the one sitting there with the weight of, oh my gosh, I'm going to disappoint my subscribers if I don't publish this today. And I'm like, that is something I have convinced myself. Nobody is DMing me, where's your podcast? Nobody's asking for it, right? Guess what? The next time it publishes is the next time it publishes and they'll listen to it then. But we have, we have these stories playing that first of all, we're probably more, more needed than we are. We're, we're not, we're mm-hmm. not. Things can wait while you rest. You're, you're not going to lose clients because you forecast rest. You're not going to, your business is not going to fail because you insert opportunities to refresh yourself. I promise you 100%, right? Everybody's going to be okay. And, but yeah, we're the ones that stand in the way because we feel like all the balls are going to drop if we take care of ourselves. It's a lie. It is something we have deceived ourselves into thinking. I think it's something that we have picked up culturally. I think culture kind of tells us that you can't stop. Something I um, say in my space is maybe we feel like um, when we stop working, God does. And I'm like, that's just silly. <laughs> is that just silly. You can stop working and things can continue to be nurtured and grow for yourself personally, for your mental capacity, for your creativity. You're gonna refresh that, but things are still happening in outside of you, apart from you, without your hand being in it. Mhm
0: that's mm-hmm. interesting, so I'm admittedly like not religious and not for any reason other than I just hasn't really been a part of my fan like it mm-hmm. was earlier on, and it's not now, but um, I'm very interested in it because the older I get and the more that I struggle. I've had my own breakdown and burnout story, which. Danielle and I covered on an earlier podcast episode where I literally had to take like a leave of absence from one of my agency jobs. And as I keep going through these seasons of prioritizing rest, and then when I get back into it, I'm just full swing and all that goes out the window. The one thing that I have been aware of is just energy. And, um, Danielle and I are both like into, um, like energy healing and kind of creating space. And I've kind of tapped into myself intuitively in that way. But one of the things I've learned from that, and I feel like is, very similar in a theme amongst religions, as well as like being able to put things down and cultivate an energy that attracts what you want in as opposed mm-hmm. to chasing it and forcing it. And that's mm-hmm. what you're saying is resonating with me a little bit of that. You don't always need to be the one to create it. If you put out into the universe or to whoever you believe in as a higher power, that you can attract, you know, the energy you put out attracts what comes back into your life. And so that really does resonate with me. I also heard you use the the term forecast rest. What do you mean by that? In terms of
1: forecasting rest, before I say that, I wanted to read this definition of spiritual rest because it's kind of nutshells what you just said. Spiritual rest is creating wholeness in your body, mind, and spirit. It's when you enjoy places and activities to find relief from the daily struggles and immunity from outside attack. Mm -hmm. It's where you lay down your fight in order to rest. That is what we're doing when we take time to rest spiritually. Um, Forecasting rest is literally you identifying on your calendar or in your day, or whatever, when you're going to rest. Now, I talk about seven types of rest. There's a book that I would love to recommend to all the listeners called Sacred Rest by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She does some amazing work working with corporations and um, um, employers to helping their staff lean into rest rhythms. It's an amazing book. I call it my rest Bible. It's just so good. (laughs) It's so good. But she goes, she breaks down her study of the seven types of rest, right? And you deciding, or you understanding the type of rest that you need to insert is really, really important. And when you understand the type of deficits you're experiencing, then you can forecast inserting that type of rest. So say, for example, you identify that what you're actually needing is not physical rest. Like maybe you don't need a nap, but maybe you need to go hang out with a friend over coffee. Maybe you need a so- social social rest, which was a huge one this past year, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was a huge deficit for most of us. Having some type of one-on-one connection in person, that's a way that we enjoy rest, right? And so if you understand I'm needing that, I'm craving that, then you're now able to forecast that on your calendar. So Mm -hmm. now you're reaching out to a friend and you're saying, hey, can you meet me for coffee? Or hey, can we go out for drinks? Da, 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 da. You're forecasting that because you've identified the deficit. Um, Another way to rest is sensory rest. And so when you understand your tells, like when like some of my tales around sensory rest is like I I have a feeling in my head when I'm on my phone too much or when mm-hmm. I'm when sc- when I'm in front mm-hmm. of screens too much. um, For many of your listeners, maybe you have kids that have toys that light up and make sounds, or maybe <laughs> you have cartoons playing in the background all day. This was me when I my kids were little. Like um, PBS Kids and Sprouts was like the background music for my home, and maybe those noises are what you're around all day, and you start noticing. Um, that you're starting to respond (laughs) to that sensory um, overload, right? And so maybe what you need is some sensory to deprive yourself of some of those Mm -hmm. sensory, uh, I'm I'm losing the word, some of those um, stimulations, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're noticing that, this is really huge in my home. It's like, okay, we're going to, on Saturday, we're going to have a screen-free day everybody's turning their phones. Nobody is watching TV. We're going to plan some things that we're going to do together. you know, so it's like, I'm noticing that we have a rest deficit in, in regards to this sensory simulation. I'm going to forecast this. Um, another thing that I talk about is planning for your deep dives and rest. Okay. So I have like daily things that we can do things that we are consistently, um, replenishing ourselves in on a daily rhythm, week, a weekly rhythm. And then I like deep dives, which are different types of parts of the year that are that are focused on you getting rest. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love people putting that on their calendar ahead of time, because it's like a container that you can look forward to. Mm -hmm. Like, I know this time of year, I'm feeling like this, and this is me, this is how I've decided where to put things on the calendar for my, um, rest sabbaticals is because there's a time in the fall where I know I'm depleted and there's a time in the spring where I know I'm depleted. So that's where I'm going to put those rest containers. And if I know in October, this is waiting for me, then I can create work rhythms that say, okay, I'm going to do this until this date. Cause I know that there's a rest, a period of rest awaiting me on the other side. And so when we are starting to forecast our containers of rest, we become really skillful at that rhythm of re- working to rest, rest to work, work mm-hmm. to rest, rest to work. And when we don't see or have forecast at times of where we're going to lay down our our burdens, when we don't see that, then that's when we start creating the atmosphere for burnout, because we don't have anything in place to help us stop, to help us replenish, to help us refresh. So it's really, really important to create those containers intentionally. When they're created intentionally, protect them fiercely because life is going to come at you to make you feel like, oh, you can push that back or you don't have to do that. Or, you know, you're too busy to No, Mm -hmm. put it on the calendar, understand that you need it and why you need it. And once it's there work and then lay it down Mm -hmm. work and then lay it down. So, Courtney, that's are you why-
2: listening? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean by forecasting. I think it's a skill set we all need to learn how to do. And once we learn how to do it, we gotta, um, we have to also get really, really good at fiercely protecting and advocating for it. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's the part I struggle with the most. Is like I've, I should have learned my lesson ten times by now, with the amount of burnouts and little breakdowns I've had, but I just keep getting into the same pattern. It's almost like if I, if I work until I can't work anymore, I'll know it's good enough, you know, but if I give anything less, it's not. Um, So I I think that that's interesting. So when you take your periods of rest, and I'm sure it varies based on person, but um, like, are you totally disconnecting from work and from other obligations in your periods of rest or is it a slowdown period?
1: Okay. So I'll I'll just kind of take you through what my rest rhythms generally look like. So Mm. I have my daily tools. Okay. So daily tools, they look like taking a walk, sitting on the porch with my coffee, reading, meditation, exercise. You know, I have things that I do on a daily basis that I have identified as things that refill me right? I, I'm really good at even pairing things up. Like I was talking to you about how, I don't even know if I it on this recording, maybe it was before we push record, but how, when I'm finished with my recordings this morning, this mm-hmm. afternoon, I'm going to take my work. I'm going to sit on a patio. I'm going to have a glass of red wine and that's how I'm going to work. But mm-hmm. what I'm literally doing is coupling my work with things that refresh me. Yeah, what mm-hmm. refreshes me sipping on something that I enjoy drinking, being outdoors, feeling the fresh air, yada, yada, yada. So it's like i am pouring out and pouring in at the same time but because i understand what fills me up so i insert that in my in my days um as often as possible then i have my weekly rhythms so i observe sabbath rest okay mm-hmm. and sabbath rest it can be a religious practice, doesn't have to be a religious practice, but it is a religious practice for me as a day where I intentionally set aside time to nurture my faith. It's time that I'm spending with God. It's time that I'm spending by myself. It's uh, the times that me and my family are plugging in doing things, but it's a 24 hour period of time where I literally don't pick up work. I don't Mm -hmm. pick up work. I don't schedule anything that's not, you know, if I schedule something, it's something that is intentionally going to fill me up. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll go have lunch or brunch with a friend, or I'll go take a um, DIY class of some sort. You know, I have my things that I know these things may be activity for other people. What they are for me are, are refillers. <laughs> they refresh me. Mm-hmm. When I'm able to um, dive into creative creativity and work with my hands, that does something for me. That fills me up. So that's how I spend Sabbath rest. It's not just, and I, and I love binging Netflix. That's part of, I don't even know where that fits in the seven types of rest, but I love it. <laughs> and it's something that refreshes me, right? And so I put, that's what I, those are types of things that I do. And then I have my quarterly intentions. My quarterly intentions usually include me going to an Airbnb somewhere, either with a friend or with my family. Okay. It's, it's, I have never gone by myself, but I'm planning to do one by myself really soon. So I want to know what that feels like. But once a quarter, like clockwork, I'm going somewhere for three nights at least. All right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I take my family, sometimes me and a friend go, but it just happens every single quarter. so that's a quarterly rhythm that replenishes me, which is another forecasted time. It's like I know it's coming, so I might might go hard for those first you know, twelve weeks. and then i and I'm like, i'm going to take I've have a container of rest forecasted for me mm-hmm. waiting at the end of that quarter. And now it's I have the annual. Opportunities. So Mm -hmm. which are my sabbaticals? Now I work during my sabbaticals. These are not times of rest for me, but I plan a sabbatical at the, you know. So I'm gonna run a sabbatical and then I'm gonna go away for a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And that happens twice a year during the times of my year that I know I'm gonna need them. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it looks like for me. Everybody can create their own unique version of that. But the idea is figure out your tools, know what you need, and plug them in when you need. But yes, you put the work down. You put the work down. It took me a minute to (laughs) use this word train, to train my family to honor this rhythm. Mm -hmm. Because Saturdays were days where we caught up on household responsibilities. Yep. And we mm-hmm. had made our appointments and things like that. And so when I decided that I was going to take 24 hours off, which it's on a Saturday, I had to, it took my husband about at least three months to learn to honor that. Now he wasn't not honoring it on purpose. It's just we years of rhythm right. of that right. not being normal. We had to turn the rudder of that ship. And so he would schedule things like Deanna go to get your oil change or He would, um, I got a leadership thing, you know, workshop or class that I had to go to, you know, and because I homeschooled, I asked him if he could, during my Sabbath rest, if he could be the primary parent. So if the kids needed things, you know, since they were with me 24, Mm seven on my Sabbath, you know, I'm not like tapping out, but can the kids come to you first? So if the kids come to me, can I send them to you? Or if you see that they're needing something, can you step in? And so he agreed to do that. So People planned to be gone on my Sabbath, and I'm yeah. and I would say to him, I'm like, so he was like, I have a leadership thing from you know something to something, a four hour class, and I'm like, okay, did, did you uh, make childcare arrangements? And he would look at me like, aren't you the childcare? <laughs> I had to hold him to it because it's like if it yeah. was me. And the kids couldn't come with me. Guess what? I would have to do. I would have to figure out childcare or I wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Those are my choices six days out of the week. Six days out of the week. These are the choices I have because you are at work. So I either have to yep. bring them to me, bring them with me, or I got to figure out childcare or I just decide not to go. You have those same three options. Mm-hmm. What's not going to happen is I'm not going to take them. On Saturday because you've made plans on the day that you've agreed to give me and that took a minute for him to get on board with not on board he was always on board but he had to he had to reshift his life and reshift how he made decisions in order to honor that now my whole family honors that set they all everybody they like they watched me long enough they are like mom's on to something and now everybody enjoy Sabbath rest. So we're no longer competing with schedules. Everybody honors a 24 hour period. My children don't do homework. They put all of their, they don't do house chores. They put all of their stuff down as well. And so I have lost what the original question was. No, it's okay. You were
0: telling me about the the containers that you create every day, quarterly and annually. And I love that idea of that one day. Um, and I, something that stuck, like, I'm going to give myself, well, I'm going to work on giving myself permission to do this. And my husband is fabulous and he does so much. And he now, because since the pandemic works from home full-time too, before he had an hour commute each way. So he was gone, Mm -hmm. you know, seven to seven most days, um, during the week. And now we have a different rhythm, which is amazing. But in the instance that you just shared of, if my husband, like oftentimes I'll be like, can I just get four hours to do work on a Saturday morning, like before anyone's really mm-hmm. up and moving. And then he gets like five hours to go golfing in the afternoon. I'm like, wait a second, you get five hours to rest. And I just got four hours to actually just do the work I need to do, which again, he is fabulous. That's not anything against him. But what I notice is if he were to schedule something on a day where I'm supposed to do something, I would like huff and puff. And then I would try to fix it. Like you said, okay, did you get childcare? I'm not going to worry about it. That's your problem. And I yep. always make it my problem. And Danielle, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the podcast episode I sent you earlier yeah. this week. So, Glennon Doyle and her sister launched, um, well, they have a podcast episode that came out this week about overwhelm. And it was like the invisible burden of, not burden, the invisible work of motherhood. I make invisible by huffing and puffing and being like, well, let it be known that I fixed this for you. And the world's going to fall apart without me. But then I end up making his life miserable. Whereas if I just said, okay, well you figure out childcare. It wouldn't have been as big of a deal. He would have figured mm-hmm. it out when we would have moved on with our day. But I realized where like my, my overwhelm and my exhaustion makes everybody miserable <laughs> yeah. when I think I'm helping everyone by doing it all. So I just find it interesting that you put it back on them. And that's something I think I need to do more of. And I, I bet a lot of our listeners need to do more of.
1: I know your listeners need to do more Mm because these are women that are in my spaces, you know, these Mm -hmm. types of women are in my spaces. Um, Just the realization that you have that ability to, to advocate for what you need. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that understanding as a young mother. I wish like the things that I teach now, I didn't, I wasn't carrying around these tools when my kids were young. I wish I had somebody recording a podcast like this and telling me, um, mm-hmm. so, which is why I, I go hard for my community, because I know what that feels like. You don't even know that you need that. You don't even know that that's available to you because you're a young parent. Right. right. So let me help you. This is available to you. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, it does take nurturing that communication you know, I, this is always assuming that you are in a partnership where that communication is open. Now, if it's if that communication is not open, that's a whole different podcast episode with a yeah. whole different set of yeah. instructions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the assumption is that the partnership is is healthy enough to to support mm-hmm. that shift, mm-hmm. and it does take time for. Because understand, and I say this in my spaces when I'm talking about um, like um, social equity and gender equity, you know, we're all in a culture that we're raised in a culture where these things are not normalized. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Our husbands are raised in it and so are we. So our enlightenment doesn't equal their enlightenment. Okay. True. They have to understand it and grow the same way we have to understand it and grow. Mm-hmm. So your revelation, you're just a little bit ahead of the game, right? And so you have this, you listen to this podcast and now you've got a whole list of things that you ain't doing no more and you're gonna tell your husband, right? It's <laughs> like, no, he gotta, you know, maybe send him the episode, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. give him a starting point, but you've gotta understand he's, you gotta give him grace to get understanding all about that. Our husbands, at least my husband, and you sound like your husband too, they, when they need golf or when they need whatever those things are, they just plan it. Mm-hmm. They just plan it with the assumption that childcare is in place. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? We've made that normal for them. Mm-hmm. We've made Oh, no,
2: that I nipped this. Them. I'm just being quiet over here because I nipped <laughs> this in the bud right yeah. away. <laughs>
1: You are amazing. And thank you for helping other women nip it in the bud. But most men in America, I have a friend. Oh, I love how she talks about it. Her. her name is Lisa Bush, and she has a podcast called Working Mom Wellness. She would be an amazing guest, by the way. I was going to say, I need Lisa, to check that out oh too. Oh, my gosh. But she talks about this concept of decreasing unpaid hours of work at home.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yes. She references this study, she lives in Canada, on how women work 17 hours or more, more than their partners with work a week, a week, more than their partners in the home. 17 hours of unpaid work, which includes the doctor's appointments and the Mm -hmm. dental appointments and the, you know, the chores and whatever those things are unpaid work is how she, how she phrases it 17 hours more than our partners and our spouses do a week. That should not be. And when you hear that statistic, I think all of us need to be fired up about figuring out how to decrease that and where it starts is with having these healthy conversations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes it's with the spouse, sometimes it's with the spouse and the children when they're, when they are of a certain age mm-hmm. and like, okay, we're not, we, we have to work together so that I'm not, I remember, I keep thinking of these instances. I remember the Thanksgiving. Years ago, when I was like, I am no longer going to be the one in the kitchen all day where everybody else is enjoying Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I just remember that realization that every Thanksgiving holiday, I am on my feet. (laughs) Now, if you enjoy that, go for it. I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) You know, some people enjoy that hospitality and serving in that way. I get that. Um, Wonderful. I don't, I'm not... Um, minimalizing that at all. I don't enjoy it. I am sweating. I'm on my feet. I have not showered. There are people in my house that are guests and I am walking around in the same clothes I put on at 6am, yeah. <laughs> not mm-hmm. showered, not clean. Maybe I brushed my teeth and I am serving everybody. Yes. And I'm like, this is not enjoyable. This is a holiday and everybody's in the other room laughing, playing, family games, watching TV, doing all the things. And I'm sitting in the kitchen sweating. And I was like, something ain't right with this picture. When did this become the thing? And I just remember when the year that I'm like, I'm not doing it anymore. So we got to figure out what does Thanksgiving feel like for the Mason family? Mm -hmm. What does it feel like? So that all of us in the day saying that was a wonderful holiday and we had to create that for ourselves. So I no longer am the sole person in the kitchen. Everybody has their role. Everybody contributes (laughs) and we all make Thanksgiving happen because I decided this wasn't okay for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you have to do, woman, whoever's listening to it. I don't know what things you're not okay with. But walking around with the huff and puff is not going to change the scenario. And you're probably with a partner, for those of us that are partnered, you're probably with someone that is willing to make that happen for you.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, so often my husband will be like, I want, and he's amazing. He does so much. He does cooking and cleaning and shares a lot of things, but he doesn't share the mental load. Mm -hmm. And so when he has to ask what he needs to do to help, that is where it's like, well, why don't you think that the laundry needs to be folded too? But something that I think is so interesting that you just said is like, um, knowing what you're not okay with. And I think part of the problem is we're so go go, we're so out of touch with ourselves, we don't even know what we like to do, we don't even know what brings us rest, we don't even know what we're not okay with. So it's like rest begets rest, like sleep begets sleep. They mm-hmm. say, Is that the saying? I'm really bad with those sayings, but I think that's how it goes, is like you need to actually give yourself the time to figure out how you can actually give yourself mm-hmm. the time because. We're, I don't know about anybody else, but I find that as I go through this spiritual journey, whatever that looks like for other people, I realize how out of touch I am with myself. I don't even realize when my body's screaming at me. I don't even realize what brings me joy. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I sit down to watch a show I thought I liked, but then I'm on my phone doing work or doing something else or thinking. <laughs> and it's like part of it is you just need to give yourself the space to figure out who you are and what you need to then ask for it and implement it. But um, it's really interesting.
2: So Deanna, I know you have a quiz. Mm -hmm. Does it help you figure this out?
1: Yes, it does. Okay. So I have a (laughs) mini course called making a rest plan. And it's usually where I send people to start. Um, Most women that come into my spaces, they are not good at resting. We're just not good at it. It's a skill set we all have to learn. And I throw people into that course. Just take the mini course. It's really quick. It's simple. It's pain. It's painless. <laughs> but within that course, there is a quiz, and it's called a rest needs quiz. I was inspired to create this course um, from the book that I referenced, Sacred Rest, which talks mm-hmm. about the seven types of rest. So I just give you a very short nutshell breakdown of all seven types of rest. The quiz will let you know where your deficits are in each of those categories, okay? And then it's going to also let you know what things to look out for to know that this is a deficit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, which is going to help you become self-aware. So when you're seeing things happening or you're feeling these certain ways or your moods are shifting certain ways or you're noticing these particular things happening in your behavior and your feelings, you can be like, ah, that means that I have a deficit here. And then you can put things in place that deal with, Meeting that need. So, yes, the making a rest plan, you can go to deanna mason.com forward slash make a rest plan and just take the course. It's it's really quick. And the rest needs quiz is where I would tell you to start so that Mm -hmm. the places that you have the highest deficit, you can watch those videos first. Mm. So cool. I I know we should both do
0: that and compare results on the next
1: (laughs) episode that we have. See, I'm good
2: at resting, but you know, what's intrigued me is the different types because in my mind, rest is, uh, you know, taking a nap, right? Like Mm -hmm. my son who's two takes naps still. And so often I will take a nap when he's taking a nap and just say like, screw it to all the things I need to get done. Um, so I'm good at that piece, but I'm realizing as you're talking that there are probably other things that I need to do to fill my bucket and mm-hmm. i'm not sure what those things are mm-hmm. um because you know i just think of it as taking a nap but i'm definitely realizing i need to think about what other things i can do that are going to make me a happier person wife and mother in my house so that you know it's a more pleasant place because i'm still not like you know it's not like i take a nap and that solves everything i still feel stressed right. out i still feel anxious more for me it's like the worrying um I am like a huge warrior. I think all the worst things are going to happen. I think about them all the time, and that's not helping
1: anyone. So I need to like shut off that spinning wheel. Mm-hmm. And that would be that would fall into the emotional rest category. So, yes. um, physical rest is the one that we mostly identify with because we are we know what sleep looks like. Mm-hmm. We normally feel like if I'm tired, I need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But how many of us? go to sleep and maybe get a full night's sleep if we wake up and we still feel depleted and exhausted. Mm -hmm. So there's other things that contribute to the the feelings of refreshment that contribute to that feeling Mm -hmm. of, I got a good night's sleep, but my gosh, I'm still you know feeling a certain kind of way or i just took a nap but i'm still feeling like you said anxious or worried there's deficits in other places and when we are addressing the deficits in those other places those places it actually contributes to our physical rest being better mm-hmm. so some people that maybe are struggling with insomnia maybe some people are saying well i don't sleep through the night sometimes addressing those other areas of rest will mm-hmm. solve the insomnia problem mm-hmm. so just understanding that we refill in way more, um, way, way more ways. We refill in more ways than physical sleep. Physical rest is very passive. It's a passive Mm -hmm. form of rest that I don't care if you deprive yourself of it for days, your body eventually is going to get it. Let's Mm -hmm. let's hope it's just not going to get it. Like while you're, you know, holding a, kid or taking care of a kid or you're behind a (laughs) wheel, right? Your body is going to eventually just shut down and get the physical rest it needs because you can't survive biologically without it. You have to sleep, right? It's a very passive form of rest that everybody will get eventually. There's an active form of physical rest that includes actually um, doing things that help the body relax and release stress, which can include like yoga and Mm -hmm. I'm stretching exercises or I love to throw sex in there. You know, there are things that we can do physically that release Mm -hmm. stress and um, it's part of physical rest, but it's a more active, intentional way of um, getting that type of rest that you need. But there's six other types. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to try to name them if I don't get them all just to go take the dang course, but <laughs> <laughs> um, creative rest is one of my favorites because I'm very creative. I love doing things with my hands, social rest. I've mentioned sensory rest. I've mentioned mental and emotional rest. And how many was that? Creative, social, emotional, mental, physical, and sensory, sensory, and... I'm missing one, but there's seven, all right? And they all contribute to the complete feeling of refreshment, all right? But when you get really good at knowing each of those and knowing that pops up when I don't have this type of rest, (laughs) then you'll be like, "Okay, I need to go hang out with a friend. Oh, okay, I need to shut down screens. Oh, okay, I need to go make something with my hands. Mm -hmm. And you'll get to the point that you can be so confident in that's going to meet my need that you can just create a plan that is like guaranteed to refill you.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. So something we like to ask all of our guests in the show is about based on their journey, if they were to give other fellow mompreneurs advice on a better way, like what's one or two things that you could do to find a better way what would that be? So I want to ask you that question too, for our listeners out there, what would be that better way that you wish that they knew and that they would incorporate into their lives?
1: The one that's going through my train of thought this week is the idea of doing less actually equates to being able to do more. Mm -hmm. And what does that actually mean? So we don't have to do a ton of things. And let me talk specifically with entrepreneurs. We don't have to do a ton of things in order for our businesses to flourish and to work, okay? You really do not. There's there's a lot of things that you can do. You don't have to do them all, okay? Mm. And you would do better by doing a few things and going really, really deep with those few things. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need a whole lot of things to sell in order for my business to be successful. I don't. Mm-hmm. I would do better at selling one thing and making that one thing more and more and more magical as time mm. goes by. Mm-hmm. Right. So the whole spiritual rest, mini sabbatical, every time I do it, I just want that thing to serve more and more and more and more, to meet needs Mm -hmm. more and more and more and more. But what I don't have to do is keep adding things to my arsenal of offers in order to have a successful business, right? Mm So I am looking through my life right now because right now in this moment, I'm feeling overcommitted. I'm feeling like I'm functioning. I'm over-functioning. That's something I talk about a lot in my space. And so I'm looking at what absolutely needs to be here and what absolutely does not. And you will be surprised at what things really don't need to be there And and your business can still work. Your business mm-hmm. can be successful. You can still make the money that you want to make, and so that's I'm. in every now and then, I find myself in that season. You know, I've, I've I've slowly crawled into a space of overcommitment. It's like, that's just who I am. It's like, all right, Deanna, you're overcommitted. It's time now to take inventory. What needs to leave? What needs to go? What's not producing fruit? What is producing fruit? And mm-hmm. just do those few things. Do less, and so that you can do more in those few things Mm -hmm. so that's if I had to leave with one today because that's where my mind and, and heart is right now is to see how you can pare back and do less and let the few things that you're doing speak extremely loudly yes I love that that you know, it's so applicable to
0: everything, but especially you talk about growing a business. Like I think, especially in today's day and age, people think that they need to be doing all the things, but I like to actually ask my clients, like, well, what is our goal? What is the purpose of this? So someone told you, you need to be on Instagram. Great. But you're a high net worth financial services planning company. Your clients are not connecting with you on Instagram. So is it thought leadership? Cause maybe you should try a different channel or maybe we should do events and you know so I use that as you know a broader example but so often we see everyone else doing all those things and we think we need to do them too but like knowing what you need or what Mm -hmm. your business needs or what your clients need or your customers I think is so powerful and that's probably Mm -hmm. where it starts is like not the should but what do you need and then Mm -hmm. build that life of rest so that's amazing um I'm getting like teary-eyed at the end of this conversation because I needed this today. I needed this Mm. conversation more than anyone else. So selfishly, I'm I'm very glad that we had you on. But Danielle, did I miss anything? Anything else that you think would be helpful for our listeners?
2: No, I think we covered it. I think I'm ready to go take this course. I know me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna have my husband take it too, because I feel like, you know, as much as there's gender stereotypes about these things for in my relationship, it's actually my husband who. Is much more uh, like both of you. Mm-hmm.
0: Danielle um. and I joke that Kyle is like me, and um, Josh, my husband, is more like Danielle. So,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, many of my um, moms have their husbands take it too.
2: Yeah, because they do yeah.
1: struggle with the same thing. Yeah, they do struggle with um, doing way more than they need to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, have them take it. I want to see the results. I DM, yeah, DM me, screenshot the results, and they I will. will.
2: Yeah. We'll keep you posted.
1: I'm going
0: to go forecast rest in my calendar so that I can take that (laughs) quiz later today. And then I'm going to tag you guys in my results and we can all share.
1: Awesome.
0: So where can we tag you? Where can people find you Deanna? If they want to learn more coming out of today's episode.
1: Sure. Well, I am on Instagram at refresh mom. So you can find me there. I have a Facebook community. It is dedicated to supporting those that are interested in nurturing their faith and renewing um, their sales through spiritual rest. So you can find me on Facebook. The group is spiritual rest with refresh moms. I think that's the name of it. You can find me there. (laughs) Um, And it's a very low key group. You're not going to find a whole lot of, you know, content. We have book discussions around books that you don't even have to read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I read them and I leave the discussions. that happens once a month. Right now, we're currently going through a book called Emotionally Healthy Woman. So if that even sounds remotely like something that you need to um, dive into, you know, hop on and group and once a month, you know, we um, go through a chapter in that book. But yeah, if you just want to have a community that is advocating for the rest that you need as a mom leader, hop in there. So those are my two main spaces. I also have a podcast, Refresh Moms podcast, so you can also get support there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll definitely check it out. And yeah. um, our listeners, please do connect with Deanna if this resonates with you. Um, I know I have been following along and will continue to because um, it's just been such like, you have such a great energy and are such a bright light that I'm so excited that we got to share you with our listeners.
1: Thank you. I love the conversation. It didn't even feel like we were recording. recording. So thank you so I much.
0: Know. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.